Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I am your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we got a Q&A. We got a lot of questions here. Want to go right into it? Or we got any announcements today? Um, actually, yeah, we do. Uh, the blog. I want to bring up the blog. We're trying to uh, mention some some content we guys got for, we got for you guys because uh, we don't do it enough, and a lot of you don't realize that our blog literally has, I mean, at least five hundred, but I think it's closer to a thousand blogs that are all free, that are all really like almost all of them are like ebook worthy. We make them pretty lengthy and they're in depth. So um, there's a lot of really cool ones. In fact, recently we did three different ones from the prior research review that I think turned out really good. Uh, the blog on whether or not cortisol affects fat loss, the blog on uh, the ideal amount of protein uh, feedings to have per day. So what's the deal with meal timing in regards to protein and protein synthesis? Um, and then how do you periodize for muscle? Or do you even need to periodize when it comes to body composition training versus strength focused training? Um, and we answered those in depth in the blog. And there's also a video attached. So you can hear us work through it, myself and our CSO, Dr. Brandon Roberts. So those are some great ones. We also have a blog on G-Flux. We have an updated blog on keto, an updated blog on alcohol and fat loss. I mean, the list goes on. So we got a ton of stuff there, guys. Go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash blog and check out all the free content that you can find there. Dope. All right, we got a lot of good questions today, guys. So we are getting right into it. First one is from Gina Torpin. It says, I dieted for a while this year, but I got lean but not shredded by any means. We went on vacation with my plan being to come off of the cut afterwards. I think I reversed too quickly. My weight has been consistently up about three to four pounds for the last few weeks. I'm enjoying more food and hitting PRs at the gym, which is awesome. However, I'm just worried about putting on too much excess fat. Should I cut calories for a short period of time and work back up slowly or just stay here and not increase for a while? So she reversed, but then went on vacation mm -hmm. and then probably got a little out of hand. Correct? Yep. Okay. So I would do one of two things. I probably wouldn't jump back into a cut. The only time I would ever jump back into a cut in a situation like this is if you went way overboard, I would jump into a cut that lasted a couple weeks. And it literally is just kind of damage control. Like you went over, I don't know, fucking 5,000 calories by the end of the vacation. Let's say it was a three-day vacation and you it like t in total you went into a 5,000 calorie surplus, I would go, okay, what's 5,000 spread out between two, three weeks and just create that deficit. Literally, you're just trying to balance it out and just kind of make up for what you ate over and then get back to the reverse plan because you're reverse dieting for a reason because you cut maybe because you had poor health or biofeedback. Regardless, you needed to get your calories up. So the last thing I want to do is put you back into a deficit and have that whole process start back up again. So most likely, I wouldn't put you in deficit. If I did, it'd be two, three weeks just as damage control. Otherwise, I'm probably going to go um, either right back to where you ended up at, like the maintenance or the the place you built your reverse to that you were supposed to stay at during vacation but kind of went overhand with um, or over the top with or the adjustment right before that. So let's say you reversed, uh, you, you were reversing up and you hit like 1,800 calories, right? A couple weeks past and then you go to 2,000 calories couple weeks pass and then you go on vacation and you end up overeating and you gain some weight and you're kind of like, fuck, I went too hard. I would pull back to 1800 
So the, the adjustment before the most recent. So the second to last adjustment during your reverse, go back to that caloric adjustment, sit there for uh, a couple weeks, as long as you need until your weight kind of bounces out and then go back to the reverse process of building back up. Um, but at the end of the day, you're reversing to get out of a diet and get out of a diet mindset, get out of uh, diet fatigue, all that. So there's no point in putting you right back into that same place. I would much rather have you healthy and out of that. Totally. So yeah, at most damage control. Got it. All right. Next one comes from Jessica Stahl. Says, have you ever had any experience with clients being on artificial hormones, not including birth control? So I actually commented back to her on this. um, And I'm going to pull it up to see... And she did. She And I said, I said, yes, many times. Any specific questions about it? Because, I mean, really all that's asking is like, have you ever worked with anybody who had artificial hormones, right? Outside of birth control, yeah, like th- whatever, whether we're talking about thyroid medication, HRT, so hormonal replacement therapy. Usually, in my experience, it's going to be testosterone, but there's different types of hormone uh, replacement therapy. Um, but yeah, I have. And that's just like a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked her and she said, I haven't been able to write my hormones. So they want me to consider artificial hormones. And I know it's a lifelong thing and important, but I am just, but I just am also nervous for it to affect my body composition, etc. So basically just experiences in general, good, bad, worth it, not, etc. I don't know. Laugh aloud. Thank you. <laughs> so she just wants to know what the hell to do. Um, and I can appreciate that. So here's my general take on all uh, hormone uh, I don't like the word artificial, but like replacement. Yeah. I'd say like hormone replacement, hormone medication, anything like that. A lot of them are permanent. So once you start, you're, you're there for good. The thing I will say about this is number one, do everything you can naturally before you go that route. And again, this is not a scientific fact or statement or uh, prescription recommendation. It is just my opinion. I personally think you should do everything you can before going that route. Um, for example, I've had guys that have had this exact same situation with testosterone. And and the thing is this, okay, are you, uh, getting the minimum requirement of like sleep each week, right? Maybe you don't get enough sleep every night, but do you get sleep on the weekend? Are you catching up realistically, unless you're getting like fucking three hours a night, it's not going to affect it that bad. It's going to be, it's not good for it, but are you getting enough to get by? Cool. Are you strength training gym? Yes. Cool. Are you eating? enough food in general, calories, fat, all that. Um, Like always go to maintenance. So if you're in this position and you're like contemplating it, but you're in a huge deficit, get out of a deficit first, right? Go to maintenance, sit at maintenance for a while and see if things improve. Are you taking simple things like ashwagandha? If if it's more of an estrogen imbalance, DIM is another good supplement. Um, General food, but mainly those just couple supplements that may help. There's a lot of herbs and adaptogens and things like that that may contribute to better testosterone levels. Um, if you have like a dry sauna, I think like there's just so many things that you can naturally do that maybe move the needle like just a fraction of a bit. But if you do all these things, does it contribute to better levels of testosterone or said hormone? Um, stress management is probably going to be the biggest one. But if you're doing all those things and it moves the needle a little bit, it means that what you were doing was effective. But if it doesn't move the needle enough to get you in the healthy range, it's, it means that it's not effective enough. Gotcha. So if you do these things and you stay there and you're consistent with it for months on end and you just don't see a big enough improvement and you're still in a place where you don't feel good and your hormone levels are low, at that point, then you can consider replacement therapy or something like that. Or in my, again, my opinion is that you can start to consider those things. Um, and when you're in that position, uh, that's where, yes, it is. I mean, it is for life. But like... Here's my personal opinion on it. If you feel like shit 
and this this replacement or this hormone or this medication, whatever is going to make you feel better. I mean, personally, I would rather feel better for the rest of my life taking it than feel like shit for the rest of my life not taking it. Yeah. You know, and even in most cases, this isn't all cases, um, you know, testosterone is one of those ones. Now they, they have things that can help your natural production not die off. But like typically what would happen before is like if you start taking artificial testosterone, your, your natural production of testosterone drops off. So therefore, if you stop taking it, you're kind of fucked because your natural production, I mean, your body's like, oh, I don't have to make this anymore. You're injecting it, right? So your natural goes down, your artificial goes up. And then one day you're like, you know what? I want to stop taking this. Now you're below where you started at. Mm. Now they have things that you take or do. I don't really know the science or the things that you take. I just know there it is. There it is. That help the natural production so that when you get to that point where you need to cycle off or stop, your natural production isn't hurt by it. Now you still go back down to your natural production. That sucks. But you're not like regressing further than where you were before in most cases. It's kind of like you can stay here or you can live up. And then if you really decide to stop, you just go back to where you were, which kind of sucked. Yeah. But I don't know, in my opinion, and you know, there's even situations where I think I talked on the podcast with Dr. Spencer Nadolsky about this, but I'm not 100% positive. I might have heard him say this on a different podcast. But there's situations where people have thyroid replacement or, or get thyroid medication and it helps their fat loss. It helps their body composition. It helps their health because they're not producing enough thyroid, so they need it. So people frown upon it, but yeah, it's artificial, but if you're taking it and it's helping you live longer, live better, be healthier, lose weight, like, I mean, is it really that bad of a thing? Yeah. You know, it's not always the case. And if we can do it naturally, then hell yeah, I would much rather do it naturally. Um, and it, and again, she didn't name specific hormones, so I don't even know what she's talking about really. Um, Typically, like thyroid is easier to try to battle without, like do it naturally than something like testosterone, for example, because um, you can make changes to stress, diet, trainings, things like that, that are going to influence the thyroid more than you'll see an influence on the testosterone. Um, but like my point is, is, I always say go the natural route if you can, if it doesn't work and you need to supplement or take something like a re- replacement therapy and it is going to make the quality of your life better, it's a personal decision. Totally. I think it's worth it, but... I don't know. I think I think steroids in general gave a very bad outlook from everybody on any type of hormone that is not naturally producing in your body. And even though the ones you're injecting or taking they do naturally produce in your body, you're just taking something to give yourself more. Absolutely. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not competing in a professional sport, you're not going to get knocked for it. And if it makes you live better, why the fuck not? Yeah. But it's a personal choice. So who knows? Um, and it also depends on what type you have. So if you're struggling with this and again, cause I don't know what type and you want more clarification, you want more help with that. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, we have coaches that work with people specifically who have hormone issues. Um, we have a PhD on staff that helps us review blood work and stuff like that. So, um, and we have connected doctors that we can refer to yeah. if we need to that are specialized in hormones. So uh, feel free to reach out if you need to. Uh, my email is Cody at TaylorCoachMeth.com. I'd be happy to chat and help. Um, otherwise, that's my general take on it. Totally. I love it, man. We'll go to the next one. It's from Kathy Siley. It says, if I normally doing a four-day upper-lower split and my schedule go- gets wonky for a few weeks, can I double up and do both on a single day? You can, but I would separate them four to six hours at least. Doing all of that in one session, one, you're going to be there for like three hours. Two, your performance is going to drop tremendously because by the time you get done with the leg day, your upper body day is going to be shit if you do it right afterwards. If you give yourself four to six hours, um, that's typically what we recommend. Like based on what science shows, like if you're doing two days, that's typically the best from an energy perspective. Now, you can't help 
the fatigue that quick, you know, like, so if you're sore from earlier, you're going to be sore now, but at least you're doing upper and lower. Um, but your general systemic fatigue, your lethargy, like, I mean, in general, you're gonna be zapped. That's a lot of training. So I don't typically recommend it. Um, usually what I recommend in a situation is going full body and just continue to do one session. You're just going to have a few weeks where you can't train as often as you usually do. You know, I don't, uh, you know, but again, like if you have the time, if you want to go for it, there's nothing technically wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. You know, yeah. if you're in the gym twice a day and, and you got to make sure you're supporting it nutritionally too, you know, otherwise you're not going to last. Refueling. So yeah. Um, intra workout carbs work really well in the second workout if that's the case, cause you're going to be pretty tired on the second one. Um, but I'm a bigger fan of full body in that case. I mean, same reason I literally just switched to full body this week because with travel, uh, the different events and things that we have this summer between like your batch party, your wedding, my birthday, Shan's birthday, work stuff, uh, some plans in September, just being busy with the job. There's days where I'm like barely squeezing it in or I'm skipping days. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to full body because that way, if it's a week where I can only get three in, at least I hit every body part still. Yeah. And if I can get four, I get four. Awesome. But it's just tough, you know? So I, I even right now I'm at full, full body cause I'm in the same situation. I'm super busy. And sometimes my workout is like cardio late at night when Blake goes to bed throw on the weight vest go hit the hill in the neighborhood yep. and it is what it is but that's not a lifting session you know that's not going to do the same thing so I would recommend full body but if you want to muster up the strength to do two there's nothing technically wrong with it I know people who do it just spreading it out evenly yeah alright cool the next one comes from Shane Health Fitness and Fun I'm trying to gain but I but as I increase my calories past my maintenance I have lost two pounds why? Most likely adaptive thermogenesis. So basically this this idea of, you know, what metabolic adaptation is, is literally adaptive thermogenesis. So this is the idea of thermodynamics in your metabolism regulating more output or input based on your caloric intake. So as we go through a diet and we lower our calories, adaptive thermogenesis works in, in the process of lowering our activity and our energy output based on taking less calories in. So we have less energy coming in. We're going to give less energy out, which means we're going to step less, talk less, blink less, like everything just kind of slows down. Right. Um, in the reverse, when people reverse diet, if they have a highly adaptive metabolism, usually they're, they're hyper responders to reverse. And what happens is they increase calories and the whole G flux. So this would, that would be a great blog for you to read is our G flux blog, um, tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash G dash flux. Um, and with that, when you increase calories, what ends up happening is your energy output goes up. So whether you realize it or not, you added 250 calories and you also ended up stepping a thousand more steps and you also ended up talking and moving and fidgeting a little more. You push a little bit harder in the gym. You got a little bit more sleep. So you're doing these things that are subconsciously burning more calories because you took in more calories. So it's uh, not on purpose necessarily, but they're correlated, right? The intake increasing is causing your body to burn more calories in these activities you do throughout the day um, that you're just required to do. It's literally living technically. You're just living life and you burn more calories through it because you're intaking more calories. So um, it's just metabolic adaptation working in the reverse. So if you really want to slow or if you want to gain size and you want to avoid adaptive thermogenesis, um, reduce cardio if you're doing any, track your steps and try to avoid going up. So sometimes what I've done with people is like, okay, you're getting 10,000 steps a day. I don't want you to go over that. Yeah. Right. Because what I notice is like we increase calories and all of a sudden they're hitting 11, 12,000. I'm like, Hey, bring it back down. You know, cause if we can regulate how much you're walking, you can burn less calories and you can gain weight like you want to. Um, 
obviously remove cardio if you're if you're doing cardio. And then the other thing is be more aggressive. So if you're bumping up five, 10 grams of carbs and your metabolism's catching up, bump up 50 grams of carbs, five zero. It's gonna be a big bump, but that big bump, your metabolism isn't gonna be able to catch up with it as quick. And you're gonna break through that like maintenance range that you keep kind of increasing slowly. Um, now, if you don't wanna gain weight and you wanna increase and have this adaptive thermogenesis effect, and you're feeling good, and you can reverse diet very slowly, just bump up very, very slowly, and you'll probably be okay. Um, until you reach that ceiling, some people just can't. I mean, at a certain point, there's diminishing turns. Yeah. You can't just keep going and going. Um, but yeah, most likely, that's what's happening. So, And I think that's what happens with most people who are like, if they're hard gainers, they're either just, they're not really eating enough. They just say they are. They, they, they say they can't eat anymore. They're really not eating that much. Or they have a really adaptive thermogenesis, uh, adaptive metabolism, and so this this idea of adaptive thermogenesis happens, and they just keep burning more as they intake more, and they yeah. don't realize it. Totally, yeah. That's not me. I I can barely eat. I'll <laughs> eat like just a little more, and I'm I'm gaining. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Totally. But all right. Uh, next question uh, comes from Ashley Thomas. It says, "This is interesting. Can you describe each of one of your coaches? What is each coach's niche, and how do they excel as a coach? What makes each each of them different?" So shout out to Ashley because she's working with us now because the way I responded to this question originally was like, click this button and apply and I'll make sure I take the call. So I chatted with her and told her about what coach I think would be best for her. Um, and now she's working with that coach. But, That's awesome. Um, I mean, shit, well, I guess we can just go down the line, right? Um, I literally got to pull up a list because we got a big team now. That's pretty dope. Um, all right. So, uh, I mean, to name all the people on the team as of now, right now we got, uh, myself, Travis here, Ariel, Brandon Roberts, Brandon Whitehead, Brian Cummings, Emily Ball, Hallie Tobias, Laura Burt, Lisa Franz, Rose Miller, Nick Love, Brittany Boomhauer, Haley Colonino, and Trevor Ratsky. It's a big group. Um, Brittany, Travis, Emily are not coaches. Neither is Brandon Roberts technically, but Brandon oversees. He is the CSO. He's our chief science officer. Um, he's our PhD on staff. He's a researcher, and he is kind of there to, one, create cool content with me, and two, help oversee what the coaches are doing, help review our blogs, help make sure that the content we're putting out is top-notch and, and is acceptable, look at the training programs. Um, him and I are creating some things on the back end right now that's going to improve our coaching a lot, but it's it's basically just delivering like guaranteed evidence-based coaching right it's it's helping like clarify and review and make sure that we got the stamp of approval of like this is 100 percent evidence-based um i feel weird describing everybody in that way you know what i mean like i think as a whole i can describe us all as very very similar yeah. from a coaching philosophy perspective we're connection driven everything's evidence-based uh it already was and now we have somebody making sure of that so there's no there's no wiggle room there. Like it's, it's driven by science. Um, we're very, very detail oriented. Um, we're driven by value. We like to exceed value. We, I mean, I don't even, I, I don't know. It's just like what we do is different on so many levels, especially through the connection, right? A lot of people know science. We know science really well and we go really in depth with teaching that science in an applicable way. But I think the way that we connect, uh, connect, communicate, talk, coach, collaborate with our clients is it's, unmatched yeah period you know and i think the hard part about explaining to everybody is it, it's across the board you know everybody's the same way certain people have like certain uh expertise you know like Haley, yeah specializations like i mean Haley's really good with bikini and figure competitors but she's also you know 
uh, get her master's in sports nutrition and becoming a registered dietitian. So that adds a completely different element from like a clinical medical side of things. She'll be done with that in two months. She's just doing her rotations. You basically have to do like an internship kind of thing at the end. Um, but that adds an element of being able to handle pretty severe cases on a different realm. You know, um, Ariel has, uh, her master's in psychology, which adds a completely different element to how you can approach clients and, and talk to people and understand people. Um, Brandon Whitehead is, is, and I mean this in the best way possible, one of the biggest geeks I've ever met with nutrition. You know what I mean? He just like dives in deeper and loves deeper. learning, loves learning. So when it comes to, I mean, just the human body in general, but physiology and gut health and hormones, stuff like that, he's, he's crushes it. And he's so in depth with clients. He like over educates everybody. Um, which is great because we purposely send people that want to learn. We're going to send them to him because he's so great with that. Um, you know, we have a couple, Rose and uh, Trevor, both have a lot of experience in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, things like that. So when it adds the, the element of sport and combat sport and stuff like that, it's a whole other element, you know, that they understand, especially with weight cuts and things like that. Laura's great with when it comes to uh, more habit-based, habitual. People who yeah. come to us and are like, I don't think I can track. I don't want to track. I don't know how to track we beg to differ. We just don't think you've done it the right way. And we want to teach you. And we want to take it slow. And we want to build habits first. And she's great with that. You know, so there's, everybody has kind of their own thing. And there's also people that are just extremely well-rounded, right? We're generalists. I'm a generalist. So if somebody's like, what's your specialty in nutrition? CEO. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't, yeah. but, but I don't Leader. know. You know yeah. what I mean? I think it is, it is like mindset and leadership. Now Absolutely. that I've been in this position, I understand that. But for the longest time, it was like, I can train anyone. I can just train anyone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't have a specialty. Instead of thinking of it's a, a jack of all trades, master of none, I was like, I'm a generalist. Like, I'm really good at working with people who they maybe feel average, but they want to be above average. You know, yeah. they don't have a competitive edge or, or desire or anything like that, but I'm going to show them how to be not so average or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, and there's there's a handful of people on the team that are like that too. Yeah. They're, I, I couldn't pinpoint their specialty is this, because they're really good with everybody, but they have a certain personality to them. And that certain personality is going to match up with certain people. And that's why I connect certain people to them, you know. Um, Nick Love owns a CrossFit gym. So he's great with CrossFit people. You know what I mean? Like uh, Brian has a, a background. In, he has a CSCS. So he has a background in uh, strength conditioning and uh, sport and, and training more so as far as like training large groups of people and corporate status and stuff. So when it comes to training, he's amazing at that as well you know so there's so when people come on board and they want to gain muscle they want to gain size and they need training help as well as nutrition he's a great fit for them so everybody kind of has their own little thing but the main thing that i think is unique about our team is that we're all we're all the same with how much we value education we're all the same with our desire to connect on a deeper level um, we all read the same books. We all purposely go through the same courses. We all do the same things. And it's just our, our personalities are the biggest differentiator, right? And that's why certain people resonate with certain people. And that's why I pair certain people with certain people. And I think that's pretty important. Absolutely. You know, um, building a friendship out of your coaching experience. Yeah, I do. So, which is nice because when I have a team that big, it makes it really easy to yep. pair people, you yep. know? Um, so, yeah. I love it, man. I love how different everybody is, but also the exact same yeah, it's cool. Really cool. All right, next one comes from Jacob Bennett, 19. It says, a specific and consistent routine is better for progressive overload and results. So how often should one switch up the exercises? 
Yeah, I, I mentioned this on my story Q&A, so I think he was asking a question based on an answer of another question, and I didn't get a chance to answer his question here on the story on my Instagram, but um, it, it's just so, it's so dependent because, like, in one sense, you know, if you're really trying to build muscle, the best advice I can give you is not a timeline. It's to continue doing the same thing until you're no longer progressing for two mm-hmm. weeks or longer. That would be, like, my general rule of thumb. So if you have a program and it's set up and maybe you're – you have your list of exercises, your upper body day. Let's say it's bench press and bent row, and then you have like a military press and a chin-up, and then you have like a, a lateral raise, uh, a face pull, curls, and extensions. And you're doing everything in the 8 to 12 rep range. I'm going to say stay there until you can no longer add weight in that 8 to 12 rep range and or you are now doing your 8-rep weight for 12. So if you were doing a bench press for 200 pounds for 8, now you're doing it for 12. Right, everything you were doing at the beginning for eight double progressive method, you're doing for twelve now. Yeah, you you've maxed out that rep range. It's probably going to be about you know six, seven, eight weeks before you can do that. At least switch it up. You could follow the same exact fucking program. You need very minimal periodization when it comes to hypertrophy. You just need the right volume. You need the right effort because you got to push yourself hard and you need the right exercises, right? So the exercises have to be in the right order. You got to be doing enough volume. Your effort has to be there and your week has to be split up. So your training split has to be split up in a way that allows you to recover from it well. Um, And you can do the same thing for four, six, eight, 10, 12, 16 weeks even. If you're Mm -hmm. progressing, you're adding load, you're adding reps, you're doing some, you're getting better at those movements. There's really no need to change. Muscles are pretty stupid. They don't know. All they know is like, oh, I'm pressing forward and this is really fucking hard. So I have to get better at it. They know strain. They know stress. They know tension. They adapt to it and they get bigger and better. So if you're still stressing the muscle and you can feel that stress and tension, just keep going, you know? Now, with my clients, I typically don't go longer than six weeks because people usually get bored after six weeks at most. And if you get bored, you're less motivated. You're just, your effort dies. So instead of me trying to like keep pushing you because you're progressing, I'm going to switch the military press to a single arm dumbbell press. It's the same fucking thing. Your body doesn't know any different besides you're doing unilateral, which is actually good because we can work on imbalances, but now it's different in your mind. You're like, Oh, this is a new exercise. This is different. I got to relearn it. So I would rather go, uh, you know, four week block and it goes military press and the next one is single arm overhead press. And then it's like a machine shoulder press. And then it's like a landmine press. And then we'll circle back to military press and you haven't done it in three months. So it's like, oh, this is new again. You just repeat those. And you can do that. That's a four month cycle. You can do that three times in a year, you know, and just keep going through it. Um, but there's no need for that. So I think you should base it off of when you personally get bored. For me, I usually stick with the compound lift that I'm doing for at least three, if not like four to six weeks, because that's as long as I usually feel like I need to really get a good amount of progress. And then yeah. I'll change from trap bar to sumo or front squat to back squat or eight reps to six reps. Change something up. Um, most of the movement patterns say. And then the accessory work, I usually change every two to three weeks. I'm advanced. I'm not trying to build mu- – like, and here's the other thing too. If I'm really set on building muscle, I'll stick with the program and the accessory, everything for a long time. Yeah. If I'm doing a dumbbell seated incline bench hammer curl – I'm going to stick with that until I'm like, I cannot do any better with this. I'm going to change like a standing hammer curl. Not a huge change, but I might stick with that for 8 to 12 weeks Damn. straight. Because with muscle growth, it's much more important. I'm in a fat loss phase right now. So my goal is to maintain muscle. Maintaining muscle is so much easier than building muscle. I just have to do enough volume and create enough stimulus. So I can change it every week if I really wanted to just to keep it, you maintain know. It. Yeah. But I, I probably would say it's still not the best idea. I typically go three weeks. Three okay. weeks for me is like 
by the third week, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of tired of this dumbbell Bulgarian split squat. I want to change it to a barbell reverse lunge. You know, still a single leg, still in the same rep range, still a quad dominant movement, but I just want to change it so I stimulate my mind a little bit more. And that's just the art of coaching. That's just like good programming from a standpoint of knowing what your clients enjoy and get used to. And I talk to clients about that. Yeah, not getting bored. Yeah, and just asking them like, when do you when do you feel that like? This is starting to get boring. Like I, I don't. I always say to you, like, I'm not going to take offense to it. Yeah, I don't think you don't like the program when you say this. But tell me when you're getting bored, so that I know. Like, okay, every like four or five weeks they get bored. Yeah. You know, like I have some people that do three weeks, one week deload. I have some people that do three weeks, no deload. Week one is a kind of a deload because they're new, doing new movements. Uh, I have some people that go five weeks and then a sixth week is a deload. You know, and I have some people that do four weeks and fifth week. It's like it's so varied. A, a meso cycle isn't four weeks, right? It typically was four weeks for a long time because people pay a monthly subscription for coaching. So it just makes sense to change your program every month. But if we're going off of like science and just good coaching, it varies. It's person dependent. So talking to your client and understanding where they're at is the key. Totally. All right. There you go, Jacob. We got the next one is from that's really my name. Our favorite. (laughs) Love this person. Do you ever disagree with your coaches? If so, how do you handle it? Great question. Mm-hmm. I almost changed your name to that's not my name <laughs> just to see if you would catch it. Um, do I ever disagree with my coaches? If so, was last part? How do you handle it? How do I handle it? Um, I'm not just saying this, but I can't, I literally can't think of a situation where I disagreed with them. Um, at least not in the manner that she's describing. So, like, a good example of this is like, an intern going through the internship, right? Yeah. There's two of us leading them through the internship. So right now, myself and Brandon Whitehead. Um, there, when you become an intern, you go through. We, I mean, we have a whole education system. You go through. Um, it's actually really fucking cool. And uh, I just got to throw that out there. <laughs> Sick. Um, and the like, one of the last months is a case studies, right? So you're going through case studies, and you got to create fake prescriptions, essentially. And uh, we have levels to these. So like how much information we give you throughout, right? And how much of our tools we give you throughout. Yeah. So we can see how you do on your own, see what you do with a little bit of help, see what you do with all of our systems, so on and so forth. And then me and Brandon review and give feedback separately. So like that's two different coaches giving feedback, you know? So mm-hmm. like one person turns in the case study. I've never... Roberts or Whitehead? Whitehead. Okay. I've never seen a case study come in from an intern and I was like, hey, this, is, this isn't right. Because you can't and I don't mean to say this in like a cocky way, but you're, you're not going to be an intern if you're not already good at what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we have a high, we, we have a high expectation level from our clients Coming and from in. ourselves, you know? So you got to come in, you're already certified, you're already doing it, you're already pretty good at it. So I'm never like, you're wrong. It's always like, okay, here's what you did. Here's what I would have done differently. Here's what I like that you did. Or, or here's, additionally. Or additionally, here's what I would have added to it. Here's what I would have taken away. Anything, just anything I want to change. And then Brandon does the same thing. And there was a, there was a situation literally just like a, a month ago where I was like, uh, like half of what Brandon said, I was like, hundred percent agree, hundred percent on board. I wouldn't do this. I would do this instead. I wouldn't do this. I would do this instead. I wouldn't do this. I would do this instead, but nothing he said was wrong. Hmm. Right. It was not like, it's like the whole like low carb or high carb. It doesn't matter. It's a calorie deficit, right? What is the person going to like? So if he said low carb, I said high carb, we're technically neither one of us could be wrong or right. It's just that we have a different way of approaching it. There's a million ways to skin a cat, which makes the internship way more helpful because now the person has their way of doing it. And then they can see two expert opinions and, and, and uh, 
ways of going about it as well. And it just cha- it just gets their mind thinking totally. more broadly, right? There's different ways to do this. So that's not really a disagreement. It's it's a different approach. I would do it differently. But if I disagreed with them, there probably would, I mean, he probably wouldn't be on the team. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like we probably wouldn't vibe so well and have a shared philosophy yeah. if we disagreed with each other. You know what I mean? Um, even Brandon Roberts, there's been research reviews where he's like, well, science says this. And I'm like, well, my experience says this. And he's, you're not wrong, but the research says this. And yeah. I'm like, Fuck, the research is definitely right, but this is what like I feel. You know what I mean? So there's always just so many different ways to do things. Mm. The other side of it too is like with our team, there's, uh, I mean, there's an open door policy. You know, there's a lot of integrity within what we do and communication. I mean, there's no, there's no holding back. Like we're very open with each other. I feel very, very confident saying that my team is super honest and open with me. Um, I talk to everybody extremely often. So, I mean, we're on the phone multiple times a month. Um, I talk to them every week every single one of them every week, no matter what, via text or something or voice memo, call, some form, um, not including meetings. And uh, they bring stuff up. So if there's like things that need to be discussed or asked or anything, it's just because there's that open door, free communication kind of atmosphere. Open door policy. Yeah, we never never have disagreements. You know what I mean? That's just the reality. So I don't know how I would handle it because I don't have to handle it. You know, it's it's... The things we disagree about is like, oh, I would probably do it this way. That's it. Yeah. You know, but also too, like. Uh, it's more we, discussion. Yeah, exactly. And we we vet people pretty hard before they join the team. So when somebody comes on board, it's not like, I'm never like wondering if they are a good person or they have good integrity or if they would do the right thing or <coughs> if they would know how to handle a, a negative situation with yeah. a client. It's it's a no brainer. You know what I mean? We're all, we're all on the same page with that. Totally. So, yeah. I love it. It's a good question. I think that's, yeah, it is. And I'm happy that I can answer it that way. It's a good re- or good thing you can answer it that way. Yeah. All right, next one comes from TJ Horn 32 Is it better to do four sets of one lift or two sets of two different lifts for the same body part? Mm. I would say it depends on the person and it depends on the goal. If your goal is strength, I would say four sets on the same exercise – because strength is so neurological and skill-based that you're better off practicing that one movement pattern more than doing multiple movement patterns for a body part. Um, if, Because, like, for example, if you're hitting chest and your goal is strength, are you going to do two sets of bench and two sets of flies, or are you just going to do four sets of fly, uh, bench? You're going to do four sets of bench because your goal is strength and your goal is to get stronger at the bench press, period. Um, if your goal is hypertrophy... If you're a beginner, I would do four sets of bench because you need to learn how to get stronger and anything is going to make you bigger. And I think you need that neurological adaptation more so at a beginning stage. If you're an advanced lifter and you know, okay, for eight reps, I lift this much. This is my technique. I know how to attract my scapula. I know how to activate my chest. I would do two and two because now you can get a variety of uh, angles on the muscle to build muscle. And because you're an advanced individual, you can execute those exercises a little bit better. Um, but in a perfect world, I'm probably going to say do four and four. Yeah. Because if your muscle, if your goal is muscle growth, you want more volume anyway. Four and four is perfect. It's about eight sets per muscle group in a single session, which is actually pretty ideal to maximize the sets per session per, uh, sorry, sets per muscle per session. Eight to 10 is like, 10 is the max of you really want to do. But eight's perfect. So four sets chest, bench, four sets flies, you're golden. Um, 
But yeah, I would say if you're a beginner and your goal is muscle growth, four sets of bench or four sets of the same, <clears throat> same movement, same exercise on the same muscle. If you're advanced and your execution is really good, do two. That way yeah. you can change the angle a little bit. And you know you're going to get a lot out of those two sets. Gotcha. And pose a five sets of five and then five. Or five sets and then five sets. That'd be ten. Yeah. Um, well, and that would be fine too for an advanced lift. They might have to do that, you know. But even in that situation, I might go four sets of bench, three sets of flies, and then three sets of like a, a drop set push-up, mm. right? Now I'm doing ten sets still, three different movement patterns, right? So gotcha. that's where it can change. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got the next one comes from Karen Nicole says, how do we tell if training volume and intensity are too low for results or even too high for proper recovery? Biofeedback. I mean, realistically, if, so if volume and intensity are too low for results, you're just not getting results. Mm. You know, I would say this, if you calculate your calories and you're at maintenance or in a surplus and your goals, like, and this is talking to somebody who's like, if you're in a big ass deficit, handle that. Like that's, that's what you need to handle. But if you're trying to build muscle and you're at maintenance or a surplus and you're not building muscle, you're not doing enough volume or intensity period. And then you can just go to the, like you can literally Google search uh, volume Bible and it's by James Krieger. And he literally mm -hmm. like, it's the biggest free catalog of, of volume research and advice. And it's super easy to read because the way he has broken up. But like I said before, typically 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week, 20 being the more advanced people. Some people need to go all the way to 25. If you have a really stubborn body part if you've been training a really long time. Um, but most people are, you know, 20 sets per muscle group per week is like plenty. So maybe you choose some body parts you want to grow more and you do that. And then 15 for the groups that you don't care about growing so much or that grow a little bit easier for you. And then you're doing about eight to 10 uh, sets per muscle group per session. Um, you're probably gonna have to train five or six days a week. And if you're doing those things and you're still not growing, something else is going on. You know, yeah. you're not getting enough sleep. You're not eating enough food, something like that. Or you're not activating the muscles well. You're not really training hard enough. You're just doing enough. Um, but if, you, if you're going by, if you have your calories in the right place, if you're, your stress, lifestyle, all that stuff's managed, if you're hitting enough volume and you have it organized in a way, based on research, which you can find out there for free, even just with, I mean, we have blogs on volume, intensity, frequency, training program design, all that stuff. Yeah. You can get the, the training physique manuals free on the website, and it breaks down all of this stuff. If you're abiding by the rules based on evidence and research, and you're still not growing, then you know you're not doing enough volume or intensity. Most likely volume if you're not growing. Intensity if you're not getting stronger. Um, if you are doing all those, and you have, you're like tired and wired, where you're tired throughout the day, and then you go lay down in bed, and you just can't fall asleep, you're yeah. wired, or you're constantly sore, or it takes you forever to warm up, your joints hurt, you're not recovering enough. You're, you're either doing too much or you're not spending enough time doing the work that needs to be done for recovery. Yeah. Nutrition, supplementation, um, sleep, stress management, meditation, all those kind of things to just down-regulate your body and let yourself actually recover. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, which, this is a perfect time to... Or a combination of both of them. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's like, are all your ducks in a row? Yeah. If they are then you can say that. Yeah. But put your ducks in a row. And it's a good segue to, to shout out our sponsor, Legion. Uh, you can head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom or click the link in the description or just use the coupon code boom boom and you can save 20% on your first order, get points after that. Which, by the way, 
the points really do work. Like, I mean, I get free shit all the time just because my points. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm out of protein. Let me go on there. Free points. Boom. I get stuff. So if you take supplements on a regular basis, which I'm sure most people on this podcast do, especially with like, they literally have the best multivitamin on the market without a doubt. Everything else is completely overdosed. And I think it's actually like, or sorry, underdosed. It's basically just a waste of money. You're just swallowing your money. It's pointless. Legions is really, really good. Their gut supplement's great. I take that every day. Fish oil, whey protein, pre-workout. These are like daily staples for people. So if you just buy these things and you're taking them every month on a regular basis, every couple months you're going to get free product and it's just saving money. And it's the, one of the top ranked uh, tested on Labdoor and all those things, like the top quality supplements. But the reason I bring them up is because they have a great supplement called Recharge and it's the recovery supplement and it has creatine amongst other things that are going to help you recover. So... On top of the answer I already gave you to this question, if you're not taking care of taking creatine monohydrate, drinking whey protein, having enough water, and you're doing these things around your workout, and you're doing these things on a regular basis, you are not going to recover as well. Um, it's the same reason why I literally have protein from them every single day. I have the, the creatine recovery supplement every single day after I train. I have the joint health supplement every single day in the morning to make sure my joints are staying good and healthy and feeling solid um, and not achy, especially my knee after having the surgeries. If you're not taking care of those things too, those those are included in the, the get your ducks in a row conversation. Um, you can't ask this question and wonder why, you know, you're not, you're not getting results or, or you're not recovering well. So make sure you got your ducks in a row. And again, if you want to save uh, some cash on the best supplements on the market, head over to buylegion.com slash boom, boom. Awesome, man. Sometimes I wonder if people realize my nickname was boom, boom now. Cause it's TCM. Well, like new listeners. Yeah. Nothing has boom, boom on it. Anymore, yeah. You know? And so I think about that. I'm like, yeah. So by the way, new listeners, my nickname has been Cody Boom Boom McBroom for a long time. Yeah. And so there's still some Boom Boom stuff out there. Yeah. Not very much, but. Go look at the website. Yeah. Uh, you can find it there. Yeah. yeah there's some stuff there Your for bio. sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Vinny Russo underscore WBFF Pro. Says, how long do you go about reading? Or no, no, no. Not how long. Sorry. How do you go about reading? Uh, client feedback and how do you respond with diet manipulations? Um, is it biofeedback or feedback? Biofeedback. Okay. Um, how do I go about it? Well, I think first and foremost, you got to have a system of tracking it. So if you don't have a good system of tracking it, then it's going to be hard to read it. Um, and this depends on the person, you know, so we have our weekly structure and we have our daily structure. So the most important things for you to track on a weekly basis can depend on the individual but there's also some general points that you want to make sure you're looking at, right? So stress, motivation to train, consistency, sleep, recovery, the basics, right? And then there's going to be uh, some individual ones. Maybe it's digestion. Maybe it's hormonal health. Maybe it's sex drive, whatever for the client. And there's going to be daily ones as well that each individual needs to train, chain, uh, track. So you can make those individual, and sometimes we do, but in general, again, most people should record how much they sleep every day. They should recover. Uh, they should record how much they recover every day. They should record um, their motivation to train and diet and stuff like that every day, and when we can rank these things on a scale of 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 or however you want to rank them, now I can at least assess, right? So before I can read, I need to have a good way of them tracking it and making sure that there's an, a full transparency policy with the mm -hmm. client, right? Do not lie to me, right? If you want to avoid me giving you a refeed or giving you a diet break or not letting you diet harder because you're so after this goal that you end up saying your stress is low, your motivation is high all the time, even though you're crying inside, like 
that does not allow me to help you change. So there has to be a way to track it, but there also has to be an open door policy, kind of like we talked about with the team, right? Like you can be transparent with me. You can tell me anything. And I want you to be honest with this because the only way I can help you is if you're honest. So when they're honest and they rank their biofeedback, now I can really read it and decide where they're at. Um, That's awesome if if they are being honest and it's low. And, and exactly, yeah. yeah, and that's what we want. But I can't make sure it's low, yep. honestly, if you're not honest with me in the first point, and tell me that it's not. So um, that's step one. Step two is is just articulating, like knowing that if you have one week of biofeedback, the first thing to do is is ask about what's going on. You know, if I get somebody out of nowhere is like, man, my motivation was low, stress was high, sleep was shitty. Well, yo, what went on this week? You know, there's nothing off the table. Again, it's open open conversation well, you know, I'm going through a divorce or, well, I lost my job or, you know, my kid got in trouble at school and I was dealing with that or we just got a puppy so I didn't sleep all week. Whatever it may be, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ignore this biofeedback like to an extent. I I might manipulate your training like, hey, we're going to deload this week uh, just because I know you have another week of that puppy not sleeping or like, hey, now that you're better, we're going to keep things the same. Like you can adapt to what's going on, but you're also not going to read into it so much like, oh shit, we have to reverse diet now because your biofeedback's poor. No, because I asked them and they were telling me about their life situations. I found out that it has nothing to do with their hormones, their health, their metabolism, their diet. It has everything to do with things that are going on in their life. So, yes, we adapt to the situation, but we don't jump ship and change the plan. We just pause or, yeah. you know, delay or whatever. And so that can determine. Um, so first step in reading it is is ultimately deciding why it's poor if it's poor. Um and then if it is diet fatigue, you're going to wait a little bit. You know, some weeks are worse than others. And part of dieting is diet fatigue. So I might see bad fe- biofeedback. But unless I'm seeing it on a reoccurring basis, I'm not going to, th- like, see. It's not a red flag to me. Totally. I'm not going to freak out. Um, and then with the adjustments and assessments, I mean, it, it's hard to say without going into an, an, a very individual. But that's just part of the coaching process with us, you know. So when I see biofeedback's poor and I need to adjust it, it's identifying what's poor, having a conversation of why it's poor, and then breaking down the the situ, like the the decision or the actions that we need to take to fix it and that usually can be multiple things and it's it's I try to collaborate with the client because that empowers them to stick with it longer and that's like some motivational interviewing stuff but hey like here's your biofeedback is poor in this in this area let's identify why okay we've discovered that together now here's our options option A B or C which one of those sounds the most feasible and consistently adherable to you C, perfect. That's the one we're going to go with. I'm going to coach you through it. But now they're going to be way more consistent and and adherent with it because they made the decision, not me, right? Even if I put out two decisions that I know which one they're going to pick and I know which one I want them to pick and I make sure that they pick it. Um, And there's like psychological ways to do that. Like I even remember, (laughs) this is crazy, but doing uh, strategy sessions in person and having, you know, like you have, as a personal trainer, you get your packages on the table. Oh, yeah. And I have my pen and I point the pen at the one I want them to choose. As, as stupid as that sounds, it makes them lean more in that decision because they're constantly looking at where the pen's pointing. And I don't even do it. I'm just like, okay, cool. And I just kind of set the pen down and it's like pointing right at the package I want them to choose of the best package. Psychological stuff. Psychological stuff. Um, mimicking their posture. Yeah. So like if they cross their arms, I kind of cross my arms slowly. <laughs> Seriously, like they cross their leg. I'm going to like slowly but surely cross my leg. Tone of voice. When you mimic, you mirror. It's called mirroring. When you mirror them, they, uh, they basically just drop the wall. There's a trust factor yeah. that builds. And that's all we're trying to do is build trust. That's true. I can't do that via email. Yeah. But um, they're cool strategies to use. I'm trying uh, to write like you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like you. Yeah. 
Um, Send back the exact same email. They're like, what? Well, that's when like, uh, like an, I'm, I'm talking with a, a client from England. And I start saying mate. Yeah. He's like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. You don't say mate. Yeah. Um, but no, like I, I think Gen- it's, it's, it's just educating them though, you know? So it's like giving them the options, letting them choose. So they're empowered to do it. It's still one of those situations or, or scenarios that I wanted anyway, because I gave them the option. So I know any route is going to be the best, whether it's two or three, or maybe there's only one route to take, but I'm going to make sure that I get their confirmation. Do you understand this? Yes. Do you know why we're doing this? Yes. Are you ready to attack this? Yes. Okay, cool. Three yeses. I know that you're consistent, you're committed, you're ready to go. And then we can move forward and I can teach you the process and why we're doing this. And that education is ultimately going to lead to the consistency. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the, the, that's the most general straightforward answer I can give. But as you can imagine, like every single client that, I mean, there's, that can go a million different ways, you know, huge factor is just building that trust. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, cool. We'll go to the next one, which comes from, hold on, we got from Justin Plays MC11. What are some tips for losing weight fast as a beginner? Don't try to lose weight fast as a beginner. That's my best tip. You don't need to. Yeah. You're going to lose weight. I guess it's not hard. Um, focus on very, very simple things and just do them consistently. Yeah, that's it. Like consistency. That's it. Eat whole foods, eat enough protein, track your calories. Don't go into a deficit, aim for maintenance, train hard. You're going to get results. Don't put yourself on a crazy diet because what you're going to do is, is go through the cyclical fashion of jumping from fad diet to fad diet that most of us have done and hated and became miserable because of, I would much rather you go into it with eating plenty of food, eating enough protein, focusing on whole foods, strength training really hard, and just prioritizing simple fucking things and doing them consistently. You are a beginner. You're going to lose weight and build muscle damn near anything you do. The best route is to take the simple route so it's sustainable. And then down the line, when you hit a plateau and you're a little more advanced, then turn it up a notch and get more serious and go into a deficit and do those things. Um, And even then, like even if you are a brand new beginner and you have a lot of weight to lose, yeah, you can go into a deficit. But go into a small deficit. Practice very simple habits to get you there. Um, and just focus on consistency. Again, simple shit. That's the, the overarching theme. Love it. All right. Next question, I believe, comes from our very own Nick Love. Yes, sir. 52. It's a good one. What, she says, what is the greatest piece of advice you've ever received? Depends on which, like, yeah. what realm. Yeah, like, it's hard. You should... Or uh, trust your gut. I mean, that's probably what I would say, to be honest with you, because I think that applies to anything. Yeah. Trust your gut. Follow your heart. I mean, that's like that or uh, it's going to be that or it's going to be the one where it's like uh, the other one my dad said, which is like um, if you if you're always honest, you never have a story to remember. Yeah. I like that one too because it's just like being real, being honest, never lying. And if you do that, you really don't have to worry about shit because – you don't got to remember anything. Yeah, and it doesn't completely have to relate to lying. Like, you're telling a story mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, as yeah. this, you know, you don't have to remember what you're trying to teach people. You don't have to remember what, you know, you told them last time to what you're telling them now, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're teaching them about macros or whatever, you just yeah. like, I just know what is. Lying in that sense would be pulling shit out of your ass. Yeah, 100%. You know? like, yeah, I just know what is. Yeah. Um, do you have an answer for this one? Oh, Lord. Um, not specifically. Oh man, I'd have to see. I'd have to think about it. Yeah. But I've had a lot of situations in my life where I've ha- I've I've gotten pieces of advice. But I mean, I don't know what they're specifically like. I mean, I've got 
in some massive trouble when I was a kid that my grandfather sat me down and told me what the realization of what was going to happen. Mm. Uh, almost failed out of college. Um, and I appealed and got straight A's after that. But in those situations, you get advice from people and whether it be from my parents or my, gra- my grandfather, my grandfather was the biggest, I mean, the most knowledgeable person I know. Yeah. So even experiences though, too. Yeah, totally. You know, like it maybe even in like, it's not the advice somebody gave you within that. It's the experience itself. Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. Those yeah. are milestones that changed my life. Yeah. Ex- extraordinarily. But no, I don't know exactly if, you know, exact one yeah. right now. Yeah. I think, uh, but I mean, my dad said the exact same to me. Don't lie. Cause you're going to, you're going to run into, you know, yeah. false story. Yeah. hundred percent. But, Advice wise, those would probably be my two biggest ones. Yeah. Experience wise, when I got jumped, it's yeah. just always the biggest thing for me. Totally. Um, just because you realize like how quickly yeah. life can be gone, you know. But yeah, and even like I hate to say this, but even like losing losing loved ones, that's always like a huge lesson because yeah. you realize like how precious time is and how fast time goes by and life, and life, you know. And you're like, fuck, like it's gone. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but as far as advice, I would probably go with that. Trust your gut, follow your heart, or if you never tell a lie, you never have a story to remember. Yeah. I love that, man. All right. Uh, next one comes from Jelly.Training. It says, when you were on a roll with your business, how do you avoid, quote, unquote, the burnout? Jelly training? That's what it says. Like like peanut butter and jelly? That's what my screen says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jelly.Training. Um, all right. Jelly, jelly, jelly. Um, I don't know why that triggered my mind so how, much. How do you avoid the burnout? I have a couple answers for this. Okay. I think number one, the the obvious answer is if you if you always make sure that you're you're remembering to prioritize yourself and those around you, you won't burn out, mm-hmm. right? Because you just don't you're you're not giving so much that you're taking away from the aspects that allow you to keep going. The other answer which is more my honest mentality is remind yourself to give to those around you who need it and just fucking push. Totally. Because I think for me, you know, I do meditate, I do journal, but I can go a day without it and I'm fine. Like for me, I, I'm fueled by work. It's just how I operate. So if you're somebody asking this question and you're wondering like if you're on a roll with business and you want to keep going, how do you avoid burnout? You're probably the type that, that you're not going to burn out as long as it's not negatively impacting those around you. So for me, as long as I make sure that Shannon is happy and my daughter is loved and taken care of and gets my attention when I'm home, you can't fucking slow me down. Yeah. Like, I'll be the first to admit that my mind is on business quite often. It's on coaching. It's on growth. It's on development of myself, of my team, of, of how we can impact more people. It's just how my mind works. It's It's... You know, I love coaching. I love working. I love creating impact on people through coaching and content, all these things. So my mind doesn't really shut off and things happen to me in my personal life that I immediately implement into my business. I'm like, that's a lesson for business or that's a good tactic or that's a good pain point to put into this or that's a good piece of advice I can give a client. It's always relating to that. And I don't need, you know, as much as like I do appreciate 
having fun times with friends and having times to go splurge and do things like that. And I still make it a priority. Um, and, and honestly, I don't even make it a priority to be completely honest with you. I just say yes mm-hmm. to people who, who make me do it because I don't set it up as much. But like when, when you put together something, I say yes as much as I can. When Shannon wants to go on a trip, I say yes. When it's my birthday and Shannon's like, no, we have to do something. We're yep. doing something. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I say yes, and that gives me that fix I need. But like otherwise, my mind is on my mind is on growth. It's on business. It's on supporting the people on my team. It's on building and building and building and building. Because that's, I mean, it's what I'm obsessed with. I want to build it, and I don't have any shame in that. So I think for most people that are in that state, or if you're on a roll with your business, quote unquote, and you don't want to avoid burnout, you're probably that type as well. Yeah. You're probably the type that wants to go and grind. And part of you is actually more fulfilled, satisfied, and personally developed if you grind in your business. So look at those around you that you truly love and care about and make sure they have what they need because if they don't, the business doesn't matter, right? So if I don't take care of Shannon and my daughter, that's when I don't get the fulfillment from my business because my growth slows down. I don't have that driver. So as long as I make sure she's good, I mean, pedals to the floor, Yeah, you know? And then every once in a while, Travis is like, we're going to go fucking see Steve alive. Shut up and buy the ticket. I'm like, all right. Which, by the way, he's coming to Seattle. I don't know if you saw that. No. Yeah. They added, he got, they extended the tour. So he's going to be in Seattle, which will be way easier. Let's just do that. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Are you lying? No, I swear to God, I almost sent it to you today, but I knew I was going to see you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my general answer. I think like, I don't want to slow you down. Keep uh, fucking going. You right. know, but, but have people in your life that you know, you got to give back to because that fuels you. And then also have people in your life that care about you and want to avoid you burning out. So they kind of push you to do cool shit. And when they do, just say fucking yes. Because yeah. you do need it. Totally. Like you 100% need it. I told Travis the other day, I was so burnt out from Dallas. Like it took me like a full week to get really motivated back to myself again. But man, like I would never replace that trip. It was a blast. Like seeing all of our friends and making new friends essentially. Because there were some of your groomsmen that I wasn't super close with yet, you know. Um, and some of the guys just on the bachelor party. Totally. Um, but I mean, I just, I just don't drink like that for three days straight. So I was just fucked up for a week, <laughs> but <laughs> to be honest, but I don't regret it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that, I mean, that's a memory, you know what I mean? And I think it, that stuff keeps you going. You might be hung over for a week afterwards, but like going and doing shit like that, or even, you know, for my birthday weekend, we're doing something way more relaxing, yeah. but it's taking my mind off work for a little bit. It's going to recharge me. You got to do that stuff. Totally. But, but fucking push. That's how roll, you don't keep you going. Don't, uh, Avoid the burnout. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. Last question here today, guys. We have James Grimm's du- Grimsrud. How long should each phase of the diet- dieting last? Example, deficit, reverse, maintenance, surplus. Um, if I had to give a single number, 12 weeks. That would be, I mean, 12-week diet, 12-week reverse, 12-week maintenance. Like, that would be the answer. But the truth is, is it depends, right? Each phase is going to be anywhere between, I would say, I don't think any phase you're doing justice in less than eight weeks. So I would say eight plus weeks. If I had a perfect situation with a client that I could spend a year transforming, I would go uh, 12 week cut, eight week maintenance, 12 week cut again to finish the result. Then like an eight to 12 week reverse to maintenance slash maintenance. So it's like maybe I reverse for six weeks and maintain for six weeks. And then I go into a lean gaining phase. But when I break it up like that, the cut result is going to be more 
advantageous because I spend time cutting and then I spend time maintaining after that. So after 12 weeks, before I'm burnt out and biofeedback's poor, I'm going to put them through a maintenance phase, rebuild some muscle tissue, push performance, improve health, um, make sure that they're not mentally fatigued from the diet. And it's just a couple months, so you're not going to rebound. Maybe you gain a couple pounds from glycogen. And then you jump back into a more aggressive cut to finish it off and you have less weight to lose at this point because you already dieted for 12 weeks, but you're fresher for the second 12 weeks now again than you were at the end of the last 12 weeks. Um, and you push, so you're kind of trying to trick metabolic adaptation in a way and maintain a good amount of muscle because you're not dieting for 24 weeks straight. Um, and then after that you reverse slowly, get to maintenance, stay there for as long as you need before going to a lean gain phase. But again, that's not a number, you know, that's 12, eight, 12, eight continuous lean gain phase until you're ready to cut again. Yeah. That would be perfect world situation. It depends. It always depends. So. That's a wrap. All right, guys. Well, have a uh, good weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Sir. Sure.